0: all right guys so welcome to the inexperienced development podcast today i have uh, john from lost relic games how you doing hello Hey, jacob so uh yeah i mean so what i recently saw was uh that game dev delusion video you did i thought uh-huh. honestly <laughs> even though it was so cynical i thought it was honestly amazing great i had amazing music um and i had a really good lesson about don't expect to get too rich basically is what i got from it just do it, kind of do game dev because you love it. And if you get rich, isn't that an added bonus? So what what, what about that? Can you expand on that a little bit?
1: Right, so that's an, it was an interesting video because um, for the most part, the vast majority of people understood where I'm coming from and, and they resonated with it because the vast majority of people who are making games are passionate about it, you know, wh- whether they've come from, you know, gaming or whatever, they're passionate about it. But th- there is a, definitely a, a group that I've kind of run into that um, I guess are definitely in it for the wrong reasons, I suppose. And it's, it's very, very clear just having, you know, conversations with these people, you kind of, you get, you get a vibe that it's like, Hey, you, you, you know, you can, you can replace with, with anything else. It's just a product for them and, and an opportunity to, to make money because it's popular and, you know, just like um, the gold rush situation where, um, you know, uh, yeah, put, put product X in and we'll try to make something of it but um, the let me just kind of think on it a bit because so yeah so it was a sensitive topic for for some and a few people were kind of kind of vocal about it but um, I think for the vast for the most part people understood the message I was trying to get and that was that try to approach it from a place of passion because the outcome win or lose is going to be rewarding and and I think that's a an important way to try to live your life, because um, you want to you want to enjoy what you're doing, um, whatever whatever vocation or job you you pick to to do with your life. It's a it's such a big part of our lives, such a massive part of our day. What we choose to do with our time, so you want to sure as hell um, make sure you're passionate about it and you have um, some purpose in your work. And I think having purpose is, is very important.
0: Yeah, I think with especially with like this new era of people like our generation, as opposed to like the previous generation, at least in America, the previous generation would be doing jobs that would give them pensions and give them retirement. But now with the age and the age of the Internet, it seems like you can really do anything that you really want to. So why waste your time doing something that you think will get like if you don't like literally with especially Let's just use game development. There's so many people that have so much passion for game development. That they're going to be creating better products than you. But if you're trying to make like a million different Froggers or Flappy Birds or something just to sell it, no one's going to play those games because there's. I I feel like games have to have a little character of like whoever made it in them. You know what I'm saying? It's like a movie. You can watch uh, like all these B movies or anything like that. No one wants to watch those. They want to see like the movies that people took time and took their passion and put it on the screen. It's the same. Games games are just a move an interactive movie in a way. At that, point. at least to me. I see it like that. And so I don't know, how, what kind of mindset were you in when you made that video? Like what what happened to you that day? <laughs> what happened to you that day that you were like I got to well, I got to tell people?
1: No, yeah, there's some um, well, like um um I had I had a few um, conversations with, with people in that particular week cuz so I went to a local um game dev meetup and it you know attracts a a variety of different um, personalities and people who are because you know game development and um, is such a um, broad area you know you have your mobile um, you have your mobile game development which is very different to your kind of um, itch which is then very different to your your steam they are completely different cultures essentially both in developer mindset and also the consumer so um, it' it's such a game dev is such a blanket kind of um, that covers so many different um types so yeah i was at this um um game dev meetup and i was being approached by different people who were kind of like showing me what they're working on and um trying to trying to sell me on different things but (laughs) so but it just became apparent to me that there's definitely um a portion of people that are I, I guess um, in some kind of delusion. I, I guess I I use that word not as clickbait, although you know it was it sounded very dramatic in the title, but I, I accurately meant it as a delusion because, well, some people let's be real, they do carry with them a particular delusion as to to um the yeah. I mean, I've got to be careful how how i f- uh, phrase it because you know like i don't want to tr- i don't want to stomp on anyone's dreams that's not the idea i mean you, you have to dream big you know I, i'm a firm believer in so just to kind of look at it from a different perspective just to um I, i'm a firm believer in you know pursuing your passions and and really reaching for the stars and you know fall on the moon and you're all good kind of kind of a way of thinking but i, I guess it just comes down to being in it for the right reasons and if you're already kind of spending your money before you've even uh, made the game, and you're like, "Oh, I've got this great idea; it's going to um, make me all this money," and it's just all about the money, money, money. It's just, I'm not sure that's that's the right way, you know. it's interesting because there's been this long-running debate as to whether game games are art, you know, and but part of the definition of art is. Um, is to approach something from a position of like um, organic crafting and not from a financial kind I mean, look, but with that said, sure, there is an art industry that um, has uh, economic ties and there's a lot of money involved, for sure. But if every artist was creating art um, to make a buck, then the art would look very different (laughs) than it does. And we see that in the music industry. And what, what has happened, we've got all these pop musics that are following the same formula and every song sounds the same because they know the proven formula that's going to create success. They've you know got scientific methods applied to to different beats, and they can kind of predict, uh, make accurate predictions. Like, well, this song will um, sound you know do well because it has a particular kind of beat pattern that uh, seems to resonate with people. And um, games, or at least a, a part of the games, um, gaming, uh, games industry, has fallen into that absolutely. When you see that with you know sequels and. Um, a lot of games is kind of um, just being replicas of other games with different skins, and you know, you, and you see that in AAA quite often. And there's so much money involved, but for the most part, you know, at least in terms of the video, I wasn't referring to you know AAA or this kind of um, enterprise level games. Like you know, at that point, if you've got a business and you've got you know a, a staff of twelve, yeah, got a, you got you're probably going to have investors and and um, a higher chance of uh, and being able to predict return. Like that's that's a given. But it was more so at individual developers or solo or, or you know, the people in my audience would, which are very much um, like me or you, just um, on that path of kind of creating fun stuff and trying to establish uh, something, you know?
0: Right, and it's not that that they may never get big. It's not, that's it's like all about the reasons that you're creating games. That's kind of what you're preaching. It's like, of course, everyone wants to have the game. That hits. Everyone wants the next. But even those AAA ones started from somewhere unique, a lot of them, like like Assassin's Creed and stuff, Grand Theft Auto, the original ones. like The ones that have sequels, they started somewhere with original passionate developers or something at some point. And then they kind of were like, okay, we have all our $150 million invested. We can't mess this up. Even Call of Duty was original at one point. You know what I'm saying? Like At some point, even now there's a thousand of them. The first one was at least a little bit original. Medal of Honor and Call of Duty were kind of the same thing, but i don't know which one came That's first chicken or the egg at that i don't know but, but i mean even the triple a ones have their uniqueness the artistic quality at it, at the beginning and even even in the summer sequels they can bring a little bit so how important is uniqueness uh like when you're creating a game you know like let's say you create a game and you don't want you don't want the same game but how how important is it to be unique and how important is it to be similar to other games
1: hmm yeah, that's a good question, you know, and there's um, there's definitely like different schools of thought um, about that, um, you know, you could look at it from both ways. You could say, well, to be too unique is to be very risky in the market if you're looking to kind of have a sustainable um, business. Um, but just to put it back, just to quickly make a point, because now I'm going to be talking a bit about business and then I've got a contradictory video, which some might say, well, you're talking about passion. Well, Um, there's nothing wrong with making a business out of your passion. If you can pull that off in this lifetime, it's a very good move. If you can marry those two together, then you're, you're, you're doing life well, because you're going to be able to, you know, um, but yeah. So with that said, um, to be too unique and I've seen videos, people have kind of talked about this, like, don't be like, um, don't be too unique, you know, And, and they made a pretty good argument, um, saying that, well, you know, if you're too unique and you're kind of creating genres that don't even exist, um, then then there's very hard to find an audience because they 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 can't connect with it. They don't understand what they're even looking at. It, it's too out there. It's like being being ahead of. but at the same time, that's where the true magic happens and that's where real pioneers and innovators can um, make a name for themselves and stand out by forging new pathways um and creating that which has not been done before and you know these these are obviously the outliers and you know you know the steve jobs of the world kind of kind of analogy but um you know you see that in 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 game dev as well where you get a lot of these really um innovative um game designers that um they just push the limits and they come up come up with you know they can even um uh, forge new genres essentially or um if not forge new genres then definitely take an existing genre and kind of push it to its to its limits a little bit and go to a bit of a peripheral direction and that's how you, you know you get your um when they start mixing genres like uh, Vay- metroidvania and this and that and now you've got this kind of um rogue genres which are kind of uh, rogue dash something dash you know this is a mixing uh, several different things together but um so I, I guess um I think there's a balance to be had you know you, you want you want to kind of um, not be so unique that it's foreign to to the audience because in the end like sure you want you want to you want to people to play your games you want to sell games this is ideally the objective you know you can you can sure you know as as artistic as that is and how as how, how pure to the soul that is like there is great satisfaction in having um, people um, play your game you know yeah, absolutely. So, so you kind of want to find that, but at the same time, I I'm I'm totally into kind of the idea of kind of pushing innovation a little bit, and trying out new things and where they come up. Not to say I'm pushing any particular barriers myself, you know, but um, I'm definitely keep my mind open to kind of new new approaches and new ideas and i'm definitely not going to kind of stifle that creativity for the sake of fitting some particular mold or or box you know
0: so you're working on a game currently blood and mead right that's is that you're still working on it or it's done
1: no no still still deep in development on that and that's been a that's been an adventure
0: (laughs) so how would you consider that uh, unique or similar to other games right so
1: for sure. So, um, Blood and Mead was is um, inspired by a lot of my childhood games. So, I grew up in the in the eighties and um, early nineties. So, I had you know the, the Nintendo, the Sega Mega Drive or Genesis, and grew up on on these kind of games. And so, th- there's a whole host of games that kind of um, inspire my design methodology. Obviously, the Mario's. There's a, there's a, you know, but that's so. Tr- it's, a, it's a bit tried to say, you know, Mario, or even to re- reference Mario these days. Like, oh, I'm inspired by Zelda or Mario, because they're like the grandfathers of of all games. Like, pretty much every game in the market is in some form or another has a uh, design um, aspect which is kind of inspired by by those Miyamoto. What he what he crafted there were these kind of um, these design the design decisions that are. Uh, um, universal even to 3D games or, or you know, it's, it's kind of this playing, this um, this relationship with the player that you can kind of play with a, a single cube and, and based on that placement and there's there's a lot of thought that goes into it. So um, I kind of, I'm really um, inspired by the, those kind of great designers from the retro era um, and I kind of intentionally didn't go with the pixel art because I wanted to, well, first of all, I'm, I'm, not particularly good at pixel art so you got to kind of go with with what you know me too i've tried um, it <laughs> it
0: gets it's just so hectic i feel like i'm one pixel out and I've, i hate the whole thing. i delete the whole thing
1: yeah for sure that's a skill man like and and you know in the future one day i will i've always kind of added it to this like learn pixel art because i'm a firm believer that um if you commit yourself to any anything you can you can learn it you know you, I'm, I'm very um hmm i'm very very confident in the learning process yeah
0: definitely i love learning as well that's like one of my that's honestly one why besides the fact that i love playing games i felt like learning once i started learning game development i just couldn't stop like i just fell in love with like learning there's so much more so much this and this and there's so much i still don't know and i mean I'm, i'm not i'm still new to it but i'm sure there's still so much that changes for you as well so you're like finding new things out all the time right
1: yeah, it's never ending. You know, you become a lifetime student, and it's it's, it's very humbling because, um, you know, there's you 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 never. Well, I, I'm I'm also a firm believer that um, you should kind of be a lifetime student of of anything. And you know, there's there's um, no shortage of um, old sayings and adages that you know say you know a wise man never stops learning, or a wise man is a student forever. Kind of um, kind of thing, and, and and that's very true in game dev because. or or programming for that matter because it's it encompasses so many different um disciplines you know you got you know 3d audio uh sound and music production and art game design coding and you don't have to obviously do all of these you can definitely delegate and and outsource and it's probably a good thing to do and in the future i'll probably leverage this a bit more you know because but because when i started this
0: okay so we had some technical difficulties some computers messed up but what we were talking about uh was basically you have to be able to delegate responsibility or you don't have to but if you're an indie developer you either delegate it or you have to know basically you have to start learning individual things right so you're going to start you're going to either become a a jack of all trades or a master of none right that's what i was that's what i was thinking
1: Yeah, because, um, yeah, well, yeah, because um, indie dev specifically, you know, game, look, game dev is once again a um, broad term where indie dev, which is kind of slowly getting phased out now uh, as, as a concept, because, you know, if you go to um, the Nintendo store or something and you have a look at the the shop, it's pretty much 90% indie games anyway, or, you know, uh, games made by individuals or, or small teams, then definitely not... Um, kind of um, triple a you know you have your double a and then your single a you know is, <laughs> is, is a there all those of is really that.
0: all those a's i didn't even know about uh, that. Just, no. all i knew was triple a
1: <laughs> no I, I kind of yeah uh, well i just this, this my personal way of referring to it I'm, I, I think double a I've, I've heard now it's kind of like well double a is where you have maybe a, a small office but you definitely don't have the the millions of dollars of, of funding Right, like a successful that, kickstarter you know, campaign or something like that right and you and you in the game is probably going to look pretty good and polished and you know 3d and all this stuff uh, but yeah but yeah the, the game dev there's there's so much different so many different things to learn from you know the programming and a lot of people come to game dev in the modern era through you know unity godot these kind of um platforms but they're fantastic but they're not necessarily the best custodians for um teaching or facilitating good like coding practices and good... Um, um, there's no like necessarily a foundation there. And some people kind of get tangled up because they. the tools are very accessible and you can jump straight in, but then you, you feel like you're making progress, but then you hit these resistance points with the code. And where back in the old days, you'd start with the code first. You know, I'm, when I say old days, I'm not talking that old in, in my own reference point. Amelia um, is talking about the Flash days, where you'd be coding in ActionScript, um, two or three or one even, but you, you'd have to kind of get that down first um, if you wanted anything to happen. Because even moving a, a ball or clicking, there was there was no physics. You would have to code all the physics y- yourself, essentially. So
0: it's just a bigger pain. What would you consider yourself better at development, like in development, like design, programming, like what what do you think you're best at?
1: Well. Yeah, um, so by profession during the day I'm a programmer. I'm a game dev programmer. I get paid. That's my profession. However, um, I am definitely a game designer at heart, sort of. But you know, I'm kind of growing into different areas as well. I mean, when when I started this this journey at the very inception. Um, I only learned to program so that I could make something of the of my art and make things move on screen. You see, it, it was um, um, just a means to an end. Basically, it wasn't my hey I want to do programming. It was no, I wanted to create interactive things on screen, and the only way to do that was to um, code. You know, so then I learned to code, and then many years later, I got fairly good at it, and then I got hired, and you know, I I, I learned in a commercial setting, which is very valuable, and you know, that's the rest is history. Um, So I I guess I entered um, this adventure uh, making shitty flash art and um, chop job, (laughs) Photoshop um, work, but over time kind of grew into more of an engineering-focused mindset. Yeah.
0: And so now you're proficient basically. So you draw, you drew everything in blood and mead, like hand, you, you, you painted it yourself, basically not necessarily drew it, but like Photoshop. Look,
1: it's a, it's a mix. Um, early on when this project started, man, what a, this project has a hell of a history to it. And, um, never again is, is what I'll say (laughs) because I've, I've outgrown the project somewhat. Um, and I'm, I'm not even sure. Like if I, I mean, when I started this project, my life was very different. I, I was single. And now I have a wife and a kid, <laughs> and, and um, things have changed a lot. And my kind of workload is um, demanding uh, in terms of my my day job and stuff. So um, yeah, it's 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 turning into a bit a bit of this thing where you know, I sh- uh, kind of one of those lessons that I, I should have I should have known. But at the same time, it's um, it's fun either way. In and I'm um, um, I'm not like I'm not I, I'm not relying on it. You know what i mean like i i have a job i'm okay like i don't i don't it's not like oh i need this to 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 be a thing for me to continue like if it if it goes well then absolutely fantastic and if it kind of like tanks then well on to the next but the funny thing is and i was chatting to this um i was chatting with a friend of mine and uh, who's also a game dev and and we came across this funny thing i said i i turned to him and i said um You know what is the number one motivator for me to try to finish this project? The number one motivation point and it's purely so I can start a new project. <laughs> so yeah, I, I just want to move on to the next thing, and that for me is is like oh man, if I can clean my plate, because I've got as you can imagine, and, and most um, game designers or game developers that have a whole list of ideas that they want to work through, and the list just keeps getting uh, game ideas that is, and the list keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger over time to the point where you've got to kind of lock yourself out of it and say no more ideas like (laughs) especially um, yeah
0: discipline to finish your games that's crazy so like that's that's a big thing because most people like myself included i'm i'm a prototype prototype king you know i could do like a a five-day prototype no problem but when it comes down to like finishing it i i guess i lose that that passion that i had before and i i feel like just move that that means that the game is not meant to be at least in my point but i think there's a lot like you know you always hear you have to finish your games if you don't finish your games you're not really doing anything and i think there's a lot also to be learned at the end part of like actually making a game. I think the only game i finished was like a Flappy Flappy Donald, Flappy Donald Trump <laughs> game, which is like a just a Flappy Bird clone i just made some art for it so.
1: Well, I, you know, that's a that's a start, you know. And like man, you know, if you if you saw my first games that that i i used to make, they were they were atrocious you know, and and i'll probably make some videos in the future kind of sharing um some of those games. And and you know, i have a long way to go and this is definitely not um, I, I want to move into better kind of three. And it's funny, funnily enough, cause this, this project has gone on for a, f- a few years now, but that's not to say it's been a full-time effort. It's been a, been a casual. And there were times where I just, you know, did bumps of other stuff just to, because I lost interest in that particular project, or I may, I may have not completely lost interest, but I, it went down to productivity, went down to a very low percentage of my total output um, where I can re redistribu- redistribute, redistributed my energy to other projects, you know, um, I mean j- just last week um, I-, I built pretty much a whole 3D game in um, like a, a pr- like a, a different style of game. I-, I wanted to just do something different. I said hey here's a week let's do something different. So I, I built pretty much this whole casual 3D um, puzzle game um, with a kind of dynamically generated map and stuff just to try something different and also just to see what I can do in a short what can I do in a short space of time. And then after that I went back to Blood and Meat, and it's amazing how little you can get done on a big project like that, <laughs> especially when there's game design involved, platformers, a lot of decision-making, constantly, you know, should this enemy be here or here, and um, the implications of that in terms of the level flow, and you're constantly rearranging things, and you're going, you're sweeping through the levels over and over again, and going back to the early levels. and Because what happens is, and I've spoken about this before on, on different videos, but what happens is, um, you're constantly growing and evolving during the design process of, um, of 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 making any game. So the longer the project is, you're very highly likely to outgrow some of the early um, methodologies and um, processes used. Where I'll go back to an early earlier level which I designed, and I think well, the flow is all wrong. You know, there's too much clumping going on. There's this it's claustrophobic for the player. Or you know, I'll realize well, you know. It doesn't um, match very well with the next level. There's there's an issue here in terms of um, um, the the contrast between um, between back to back levels, kind of th- you know, the diversity of, of of game design, I suppose, theme diversity and things like that. Um, so yeah, you get caught in this kind of loop of um, constantly trying to um, improve the older things. Where if you have a short kind of project that you've said, well, I've got three months for this, it's going to be not more than, um, so you, you working back from the timeline is, is not a bad, bad way to go. So, okay, I'm going to give myself three months. What can I build in three months? Rather than just trying to build without a um, time frame in mind, because that can go on forever because you constantly find things to do. But um, it's very powerful to have a constraint in mind and saying, well, and then you kind of draft a design doc or uh not not necessarily official designer but some you draft that out on paper you make some kind of basic notes whatever you want to do um and and you make sure that fits that time window and if it doesn't you gotta start cutting features out right <laughs>
0: i think it's i think it's, well, hard. Hard. it's, it's hard, hard to, to gauge at least i mean i'm i don't know maybe maybe it's because i'm new but i feel like it's hard for me to gauge how much i can really do in three months like i know how much i can do in a week but when i try to expand on that like it does sometimes it slows down thinking about the design elements for me, I'm. I have hard times thinking of like new ideas or how this should be, how that, just like you were saying, kind of, except I think in a, a little bit different, like new ideas and implementing ideas, I think it's it's hard to really gauge how long, like if I give myself three months, I at three months it's not done, What do I, would you just scrap it or you would keep going, no, right? No, of course
1: not. No, 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 for sure. But the, the, the idea is, I guess, to leverage these time windows to your benefit because as humans, we tend to, we tend to fill whatever time slot is allocated to us perfectly. You know, if someone says, "Paint my fence," you have uh, um, uh, you have one year. You'll probably take a year, or <laughs> maybe, well, maybe painting the fence is the right, Let's say building the house. But painting the fences—that's a bit. Well, but I mean, you put in as much
0: effort as yeah, the but, time that you're that you're kind of given. Right.
1: You you adjust to it, and you kind of. Um, so, it's, anytime I have an opportunity to have a deadline i jump on it because I, I understand the power of those deadlines and sometimes that means um kind of signing up to some game festival even though i don't necessarily have the intention of it's not like that being in that festival is not really the intention it's more so just hey let's use that that date as a reason to get everything happening you know and one of the most one of the most productive weeks i had or well, was it two weeks on my game was um um, I think it was last year, where I submitted to the IndieCade festival. And at that point, the game was still a bit early. Like it wasn't really there yet, but I was trying to kind of jump the gun a little bit. But um, it was very useful because that two weeks leading up to the to festival deadline for the submission, man, did I put in a lot of work. I um, took time off my day job and I just locked myself in a room for probably two weeks. Just um, food, water, and dev, you know, and, and a lot of hand massaging and stuff. I got one of these for like, when, when the, um, the- The carpal tunnel, when, right, when, stave off the carpal right. tunnel. <laughs> because, you know, you gotta be, uh, you gotta stay efficient. And um, in that two weeks leading up to that festival, I, I probably got months of um, com- comparative work done, you know, um, because you know, cause when we talk about these time uh, slots, like, you know, three months or whatever, that's not necessarily full time that's our casual time you know uh, in between our daily obligations and whatever and it's usually weekends so um, when you when you try to build a game in three months you're really what you're saying is you're, you're trying to build a game in a you know you a half a dozen weekends basically
0: right it's it's like eight hours a week max or something like you're not spending too much time and maybe if you spend the whole Saturday or something you can get yourself another eight hours but yeah you're not spending full it's not a 40 hour work like not something you would do yeah. as a I mean I guess you could, if if you, but a lot of us have so many obligations, and you're, if you, especially if you're not bringing yeah, if, money from it, if, if you, it's
1: right. If you're if you're financially um uh, uh, independently wealthy or something, then you can absolutely do that. <laughs> and I've I've seen that. There's there's a bunch of guys on, on Twitter from the. Uh, there's one guy is, is is causing a lot of problems for people, I think, because um from what I understand from people, he's independently wealthy from some alternate business, but he'll be um. Like, hey just work on your game all day you're making all these these tweets and it's just like well I don't know dude you're, you're kind of rich <laughs> people have to go to like work. like how and, can you I mean
0: so what I talked to awesome awesome Tuts have you seen that guy awesome Tuts on YouTube at all
1: um no I no
0: he basically he does game dev tutorials uh and he's he's making games now uh like as I guess he started his own company he approaches this he has the passion you could tell but he also has like really business oriented mind and so what it seems like he I mean he's lucky enough to have supporters and, and subscribers, but he started selling like game dev courses to support him enough to be able to uh go game dev full time. And on top of that, mm-hmm. he's in uh, like a country where it's the the required income is not as much as like like America or probably Australia as well, I'm not sure. But sure. yeah. That's so cool. he was he's able to support himself on that yeah. with kind of like and that again, that's thanks to the internet. And so a lot of people mm-hmm. live in places like that where if you you don't have to make just games, but you can do game adjacent stuff and you still learn. I feel like I learn a lot by making tutorials. How about, like, how, how, do, how do you absolutely. think? Absolutely,
1: absolutely, yeah, like, um, for sure. You know, making a YouTube channel is not necessarily so useful for promoting one's game. There There is a, a, a bit of overlap, but for the most part you're talking to other game devs, <laughs> unless you have a, a particular channel that's, you know, for gamers, but it's very hard to build an audience for those without having a game first you know, uh, like um, the guys who made Hollow Knight or whatever, they have a ch- channel where they just show their game and they have an audience, but the game came first, you know, then the channel kind of came, or maybe there was a bit of, you know, devlogs or whatever, but, um, you know, I, I imagine the la- large bulk of success around that channel came post, post-launch, you know, um, but for, for at least guys like myself and um, awesome tuts, um, you know, we we we're building tutorials for the community and, um, so it's it's a bit different, you know. And but but to answer your question, yeah, like um, I think making videos and tutorials has been one of the best learning experiences for me because you're you're forced to kind of double check the knowledge before you do it. You you have to kind of prepare yourself. You got to make sure that um, you know it doesn't it doesn't always kind of land as as, you, as you'd like, you know, depending on things. But you know, I have a particular also approach that I'm trying to implement. In terms of um, the style I, um, I, I I feel like a lot of people or a lot of channels are not really um, you know th- there's an issue of assumed knowledge let's say I think that's the best way to do it. I think Braki did a fantastic job with this right Well there's a lot of jargon or, or this kind of you're expecting because um, the problem is when you're a proficient in something, it's hard to talk to people about what you do without using the jargon and um, advanced concepts. You know, you have to. there has to be a way to transcribe this information into um, a, a lesser form uh, so, so that beginners can kind of, oh, I see what you're doing. So talking about dependency injection and this and that and MVC design patterns. And, you know, it's like, well, you know, I, I made recently a, a video um, just as an example, um, just showing some basic um, stuff for beginners to consider in terms of um, centralizing code. And I, a, a foolish, foolish me posted it to Reddit, and of course, all the elitists came back <laughs> and um, and came back. Well, how you're teaching them all wrong? You should use an interface. You should. I mean, look, what are you talking about? No beginner needs to be thinking about that right now. That's the last thing. You know, everyone's an expert all of a sudden, you know, like everyone, but, but no, no one's willing to put in the hundreds of hours of of, of giving free um, uh, videos and stuff. Everyone just is, is suddenly an education expert on how to how to teach. Well, that's know,
0: Reddit you know. as well. Like but, I feel like if you post anything on Reddit, there's always going to be like the majority of people are experts on whatever you're posting and they're just going to, I feel like I've, I've almost, I feel maybe I've had one, not even a game dev, one video like that went okay on Reddit other than that like of my own videos and they hate self-promotion too so like that they get on me about like I've, I'm, I'm not a fan of promoting on reddit if i were to promote anywhere it's usually my personal facebook and sometimes i run an ad on youtube on my videos just to i mean yeah i, I like the buzz from reddit but at the same time i just don't like the hate i hate the hate
1: <laughs> yeah well it's interesting enough because those people are the same people that you'll find in different communities and they'll be nice but i think the moment something lands on, on Reddit it gets processed in a particular way. So it, it is what it is, you know. But it's it's funny. Pe- people are funny, you know. This is the, the human the human condition, you know, like <laughs> there's a we, we move around the internet and, and there's different yeah.
0: sorry my bad It's about my daughter that's all right we're good well well a lot of interruptions today my bad all right that was a bad one but uh okay
1: but you, have, you have a child running around uh, too
0: no uh they're with they're with my ex-wife i don't know if i uh-huh. hear all the dirty laundry here right now but no. No,
1: no. <laughs> how how are you finding um in, how are you finding in terms of um just balancing um fatherhood with you know this um Game dev, I guess, is a
0: So, uh, okay, so I'd say it's like a double-edged sword, right? So, like, yes, I want my family to be whole, but also these days that I don't have my children is the days when I really get a lot done. So, like, I love... So when when I do have my children, I don't really get anything done. Game dev, YouTube, nothing. It's literally my kids, so that that's a benefit to them in a way. But, I mean, it's also, you know, sad that they don't have a whole family. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know how to say this, but yeah uh yeah yeah
1: no there's there's a yeah there's a balance as well because um
0: yeah No. know you can and from your side is the opposite right so you have you have to you have to balance like the attention of your family con like constantly right so now you have that you have, how how's that with you
1: well as the especially as the, as the youtube channel has been kind of um becoming more popular um suddenly I've got so many different um, things to attend to. So I've I've been forced to progressively over time um, adapt to being just very busy. Like my my baseline, I I think um, uh, subjectively, my baseline is very kind of busy, chaotic, but kind of works where, you know, I have my day job. Then outside of that, then I have to manage the um, YouTube channel and come up with new ideas and film them and, you know, some of these videos I've done sometimes can you know 2 weeks basically of time just to get a video out if it's like a devlog or something like that cuz you know I did a couple of these devlogs where I was out at the beach I was over here I was setting up tripods and then you got to bring that all together and sort through all the all the all the footage and you got to do the audio and um, make sure everything is is working fine and then you're like, wow, that was two weeks of my time. And then the video just doesn't get picked up by the YouTube algorithm. And you're like, oh well. And then, and then you make a video in half an hour, and it's like, boom, you know, viral. It's like, wow, okay. So that's how it works, isn't? it? About <laughs> know, some incentive YouTube. But
0: I mean, it's it's also worth it. You're learning a lot. I mean, maybe maybe at some point it would be it would be good to get an editor because then he can literally waste his time going through all that because it's literally hours you have to spend like going through hours of footage you're watching you have to skip it but i mean it's it is worth it in the long run because i feel like you're providing value to people you're doing great um i i think you t- i think your channel's really su- it seems successful in my eyes i mean i mean
1: yeah no it's it's great it's, it's it's been good it's been growing a lot and I'm, I'm very i'm very um i'm very happy with that you know and i'm very kind of humbled at the same time because i realize the um I, I mean i i take i take my role uh seriously you know because people are watching the videos i'm like okay well there's there's a bit of responsibility on my part you know having a platform and um, doing good with it i suppose you know so i I mean i yeah there's a lot of meaning for me i think in um the education aspect you know i and and long term i think that's definitely probably where i want to grow into you know beyond game dev i'll always do the game dev but um, there's no reason to, you know, just do that because, you know, I, I definitely like to maybe do some courses and stuff, but with my particular flavor, you know, um, teach with a particular methodology that I've, I've been kind of cultivating that I, I feel is, is, it works well. Um,
0: yeah, you have kind of like a, a, Bob Ross style of, of teaching. It's pretty nice. It's calming. Oh, you know? it's, it's, <laughs> ca- it's calming, you know, it's good. It's, it's, it's not, it's definitely different, different from other people. Do you ever find yourself teaching things like that you're uncomfortable, like kind of you yourself are uncomfortable teaching or you teach everything, only things that you you're pretty sturdy on?
1: Well, I guess, you know, I mean, outside of the, I mean, my channel has a bit of a mix, a slight mix of content where it's some tutorials, but then it's also a bit of kind of advice and just general, um, I guess it's life advice even, you know, but I, I intentionally try to frame it for game developers because they are my audience and they are my, my community, they are my peers. Um, But a lot of the stuff is, I guess you would apply to other business models and the different, different things in life. But um, um, the things I talk about typically come from my personal experience and they are things that I've overcome and resistance points that I've run into and were big pain points for me. So I, I, I use those moments and how I overcame them and I try to give people advice based on my, my past experience in these situations, you know, cause I've, I've made all the mistakes, you know, I've, um, I, I look like I'm kind of have some answers, but I, I, I only have answers because of all the mistakes I've, I've made at least, I mean, answers relative to, to the mistakes I've made. Um, yeah. So I, I think that's valuable and a lot of people maybe don't, um, consider that, angle of, you know, well, what did I do wrong and how can I um, convey that to other people to kind of help? Um, but here, here's the important thing, right? Just to kind of caveat that. You don't want to stop people making the mistakes because the mistakes are critical in the learning process. Um, and to not let people make some of those mistakes, it's kind of robbing them of, of the growth in a sense. As strange as that might sound to some people, um, you you need you need to know firsthand because someone tells you something like don't do this don't do that you need to know why you need to get burnt a bit by the fire you need to feel the heat to understand um, why you shouldn't um you know get too close or whatever like these lessons without firsthand experience they're, they're kind of empty and yeah
0: i feel like i should so, put some so. some of your your uh, music behind behind this dude this is this is some good this is some good stuff you got, got enough for real though it's true You need to you need to learn by people learn best when they when they make the mistakes. Right. Like it sticks, it sticks. And then they'll know, Okay, I can't do this. I can't do that. And coming from someone that that's done it is definitely a good guide. I think it's really useful kind of retrospectively. So like after they've made the mistake, then they can see how you've kind of made the same mistake and how you've reacted to it. I think that's where like the true growth could actually come in. I think you're providing a lot of value with that YouTube channel. Uh, it's pretty. It's pretty. Coo- it's pretty cool, man. It's pretty cool what you're doing with it.
1: Yeah, we'll see where, where it goes. Hopefully, um, in well, in the future, ideally, if I can transition out of doing kind of full time commercial work, that's that's the ultimate goal. You know, is that we can I can work on my own terms and and focus specifically on the on the things I, I want to do and you know around these these kind of things. How big is the game studio that you work with? Uh they're they're large but yeah they're mainly um i mean i think employee 80 80 people I think. is it like
0: remote or you work in australia like
1: uh in australia, in in office but now obviously with um the situation everything's been been pretty pretty remote how do you find working on a team with
0: with other people like other developers and like kind of you know because big like especially 80 people that sounds like a lot of people to you can mess yeah. you can oh. rub the wrong way
1: <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a, um, I mean, and every place is different as well. You know, I mean, the last few studios I've worked at kind of were more um, more classic game studios, I suppose. And there's a lot of fun, you know, a lot of Nerf guns and a lot of pranks and just a lot of stupid stuff. You know, I mean, we had running running around with the VR headsets and stuff. It was it was good fun. Where this one is a bit more kind of corporate and you know a bit bit more serious in a sense. A lot of Zoom, a lot of Zoom, daily a lot of daily Zoom meetings with just the walls of thumbnails and people staring at you. you know, it's um, it's right. different. Yeah. Uh, do you have a
0: VR headset? I mean, do you have you used
1: beyond? Yeah, yeah. I've I've been interested in VR since the um, I think the DK one. What is it? Oh, can pop it into frame here. Yeah, I got this one here. That's the Rift S. Um, yeah. Look, I've I've definitely I want to do some VR dev, and I've been. I started some VR dev projects and kind of parked it, <laughs> as, as is the case.
0: I've, uh, I got yeah. the Oculus Quest 2, and then just like, I basically set up a controller and then just had the ball, like a ball shooting at me. And I, I, haven't, I haven't really tested it beyond that because it's kind of like, I, I guess I wasn't passionate. Like I, I am passionate, I love VR. I love VR, I'm passionate about VR, but it's just so hard to make that transition from like a classical game to the VR game and then devote that much time. At least in my experience, in my two times I've tried it.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a different, it's a very different kind of thing is because your how you design for it is so different. And also the development process is very, very different as well, where you're constantly in this state of putting the mask on and off, checking something, putting it on and off, and you're in development mode. You're in the Unity Editor for the most part, so the frame rate is not uh, as it should be. and. What that means is you you actually get pretty nauseous and um, during the development process, which is a huge factor. And I, you know, a friend of mine who has been doing similar kind of experiments, he ha- said the same thing. It's like he just can't do it <laughs> because it's making him sick. For me, um, it was, a, and it's interesting.
0: It, what was it uh, with the quest too? I need a certain cable, otherwise I can't test it in the editor. So I was literally building it every single time I made a change. I would build the project. Put it on my quest, and so it was just. Oh, and then I putting on the headset, slow going. and then having yeah. the the non optimized dizzy game happen. So I I definitely get where you're coming from. It's just kind of like a hassle, as opposed to just click the play button, run yeah. around, shoot, or whatever you're doing, and then pause it. But I, I do
1: like it. I definitely it's it's, it's interesting because it's just so innovative. But um, I I also think I I need to scale. I, I've I had some revelations in the past. I guess. I mean, the, the ongoing rev- revelations, I suppose, but just in terms of my own approach. And I realized, hey man, like you gotta start, you gotta, you gotta start smaller. And, and I've always had this idea, but then you have to revise it even more. You have to say, well, I need to start even smaller than this. Um, like I had some VR idea. It was pretty rudimentary and it was cool, but I realized, well, that's maybe not your best first VR project. And sometimes you have to take a bit of an ego hit and release something that's, well, not release something, but finish something that may not be as, um, as sexy as, as you might want it to be. But it's practical and it serves the point of understanding the full process of, of um, building the tech and using it and, and designing for it and stuff like that. And then from, that, you, from there, using it as a um, stepping stone onto the next stuff. Because it's so, and no matter how many times people might kind of give advice on this, they will. It's very easy for people to fall back into these these habits themselves, you know, where um, you put the cart before the horse, essentially, because you get overexcited about an idea. It's so exciting, you want to jump straight in. So like, let me get into the to the you know all that meaty stuff, and you kind of realize, hey, maybe there's a bit of a journey here as well that I need to kind of go through before before I get to this stuff. Right, you especially VR. Experience. VR
0: is taking VR, mm-hmm. VR takes takes the like I feel like I spent probably four or five hours just trying to figure out how this Oculus integration thing worked with Unity. It took me so long. I was just I was I'm so embarrassed to even say it, but it was just like so different to me.
1: Well, I, well it's the, it was the same for me though. This is this is not unusual. Um, it's the untold truth behind um, all developers that behind the scenes there's a lot of head scratching and <laughs> a lot of like what the hell is going on? I like, man, like even in even in the studios I've worked at and even at the height. Even at the highest senior uh, senior level engineers, a lot of them are just kind of like stumped half the day, going, well, I don't know. This, this is, not, you know, there's this this misconception that this. Right. Yeah. for Sure. But you, but you have the you have the the tools to to of, of you know critical thinking and, and um, whatever to to kind of uh, w- to to wade through it and come to a solution. And that's that's the fun part of of engineering and game design and game development. It's solving those problems. And it's that's I think for me why it's so addictive, why I, I'm, I'm so drawn to making games uh, to the point where I've almost exclusively swapped out my game playing with the game development as, as almost a, a uh, pastime for me. It's it's recreational and uh, fun. You know, it's if I get an open time to play a game, I'm like, yeah, I like the idea of playing games, probably more so than playing them these days. And when I do play, it's more often like I feel like it's for research <laughs> where I'll be I'm I'm analyzing absolutely yeah yeah um but, but you know and that's not to say I'll, I never enjoy playing games I recently just kind of like got Breath of the Wild for the first time and was playing that I was like yeah cool yeah it's pretty good it's um
0: definitely the best Zelda game I cool. I I like it because it's so new I like new things I know that people are like really into the retro like I like and everything never never changing things but I like the climbing mechanics I just think it's so interesting in Breath of the Wild how much they've changed and still manage to keep like the Zelda feel. It's not like Assassin's Creed Ten or Grand Theft Auto Seven or whatever the fuck. Is, whatever it is. Yeah.
1: Well, that's Nintendo. You know that's that, that's why Nintendo is um um so popular. They don't have to be churning out a new game every year to stay relevant. Um, they can you know take their time and I mean the last Mario Kart, for instance, was um, they don't need a new Mario Kart for for some time, you know, because it's it's gonna you can have you can have four years in between each one and it's fine you know you don't need to be um, but yeah i i do they are definitely um good ones to to look at in terms of a design approach
0: so uh do you feel more comfortable making 2d games than 3d games it seems like or is that just I'm just looking compared to blood and meat i mean do you you make a yeah, lot of 3d games cool, yeah.
1: um so blood and meat for the most part was my my Entry-level project with Unity, <laughs> so I've pretty much learnt all of Unity on this project, which is which is kind of a, a bad idea, but it is what it is. Um, <laughs> I mean, I I did some you know little demos and things like that, but in terms of um, making a full complete game, this is my first one with with Unity, and as a result, there's a lot of mistakes early on that I'm now still cleaning up. It's like you know I, I look at. Because as I move through the project, I'll still find um, code and stuff that was legacy code that was written during that first phase, and the conventions are different. You know, the, the style of coding is different. Yeah, but but I, so I'll try to actively clean it up as I as I come across it. But sometimes you're like, yeah, just sweep it under the rug if it's if it's holding together. It's There's holding nothing together.
0: worse than refactoring code, especially like mountains of it. It's just kind of like, oh. It gets me it gets me going dude
1: uh. right and, and as a and as in an india there's a there's a balance there as well um you know you, in the end you're trying to get games out for people to play you're not trying to get into a um me- mental fab loop about um what the code looks like um you know there's a balance there right it should be i mean in a commercial setting or when where when i work i have code reviews people people review your code and they have to approve it and this is a common thing. There's unit testing and these kind of situations. A lot of fun, not really. But um so when it comes to your own projects, you like you want to almost rebel a little bit. like screw, you, I'm just gonna... <laughs> I'm gonna put everything
0: in the update method, I don't care. <laughs> or the dirtiest thing.
1: I'll give you a single But um so yes, it's a bit like that but at the same time there is um there is a balance to be had and um you know you need to kind of structure things in a way that you can return to it and it makes sense to you you know six months or a year later because when you, if you need to do an update for for steam or something you want to have be able to do that efficiently you don't want to be going back into that code like who wrote this i don't understand any of this which which is which happens you know this because we are constantly we're constantly evolving we're constantly growing and changing you know the amount of times during my early years that I, I went from underscores to um, for private to not and copying, trying different conventions to like the m underscore and just kind of ah you got to kind of feel out you got to feel out what what works for you because there's no there's different conventions that you can adopt and you there's no hard rules and quite often you'll look at some tutorial and you'll copy what they've done. And then you later on, you watch another tutorial and you think, oh, this guy probably knows better. So then you copy what he does. And now
0: like <laughs> all your saved code is completely different. I do the underscores, right. but I'm just so lazy sometimes that it just ends up not, I just end up not doing yeah. it. And it's not hard. I feel like it's not hard to push shift and push that, but it's just like so annoying to me for some reason. But I mean, I, I see the value in it. I love to do it. I love the fact that it's there. It makes it so much more readable and let you see like what's private and what's not private, what's accessible. But it's just like, I end up just not, like a lot of times, I just end up typing it. Like, it's a prototype anyway. I'm not going to release well, this. <laughs>
1: the, yeah, well, that's it. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, And a, again, as we mentioned before, um, there's d- different types of developers in within the sphere of game dev. Um, because a lot of game devs come to game dev a, a bit like I did from a place of kind of art and wanting to be creative. Um, where then there are other developers who come from like a um, computer science graduate program and they're all about the code and it being like all the principles and everything has to be there, but but, but they're less interested in shipping games sometimes. They're more interested in in, in, in the code. Um, so I think there's a balance that has to be kind of found in between the two where you're, you're writing clean enough code that you can kind of work through it, but you're actually getting to an outcome. And I, I think quite often, um there's people on both of the extremes and i mean you know derek Yu who did spelunky that game so you know spelunky uh it's a it's a two it's a like one of his mega hits i i I guess it's from the um earlier days of indie games that kind of fall into that around that time of the indie game movie and these kind of games so i guess that early generation but it, it was a huge success and he wrote a book about um um, how to like how he made the game or basically the story of, of him making that game. And he talks about how, you know he was never a good programmer basically and he just muddled he muddled through basically and how that's you know typically fine because in the end we've now got a, a game that millions of people have been able to play and enjoy and um, him not necessarily putting the right um, prefix or suffix on a variable didn't, change that, that outcome you know and that's the thing because the the, the game the, the players don't care the players don't care what design pattern you've implemented they don't care how technically um proficient your code is or or whatever technical accomplishments you might feel when you think about that code set the gamers don't care they want a, a a fun experience and quite often is if you focus too much on um if you focus too much on the coding principles you distracted from the game design, because there is a whole world of game design that you need to deal with when releasing a game, and it there's an it's no it's not trivial. It's no laughing matter. Game design. There, there's a in in professional spaces there are dedicated people who have the dedicated skill of game design. They're trained for it. This is not something you can you can face roll on, on the on the eleventh hour after you've built the system. This this needs to be an ongoing process. Um, And well, you know, if you have multiple people in your team, then sure, you know, you can have um, an elitist coder and a a game designer, and and everything can can work harmoniously. Hopefully, maybe not. But um, if you're if you're by yourself, then you've got a lot. You know, you've got a lot against you. So you have to do the best with your time to get stuff out, basically. Because in the end, if you can sell something and you can uh, finance your next game or your um, you know game dev a game dev life that would be awesome you know just making games and and funding the next ones and supporting your family and supporting yourself that's a that's a pretty pretty awesome um, dream to chase that's a pretty good ideal
0: Hmm. that's a nice dream 100 percent. that's great um so a question that i got on youtube and and i mean i have i do have an opinion i just want to see what you'd think about this is do you, do you uh, think that people should start with 2d games 3d games or does it even really matter
1: uh, right yeah because you did ask me about um, 2d and 3d um, it, it I think it largely depends on your, your preference I mean in, in terms of uh, unity the similarities between 2d and 3d um, you know, it's, it's a difference between checking for a collision versus a collision 2D or something like that. And But, you know, and, and the other major thing is p- perhaps rotations. The rotation systems are, are probably the, what I found personally um, a, a bit different between 2D and 3D. Um, but for the most part, you know, it's 3D is pretty damn accessible um, if you don't bite off more than you can chew. And that is to say, don't start stuffing in A grade uh, models from the asset store and trying to tie them into you know like you know work <laughs> work with um simple shapes first like this game i told you i was um making re- recently i'll probably make a video about it soon but um it was just a cube the game is the your player is a cube that's it but i tried to focus on the the game mechanic and the fun factor and the game design Less, less so than the the visuals, because people get caught up in the visuals uh, a lot, and you can really slow things down. And um, better looking if 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 something looks better, it's not necessarily the better for you or better for the game, you know, because you're you're creating a standard that perhaps you can't meet long term across the across the whole project. Like if you stuff in some, you know, high poly count um, model that looks like it's from Uh, last of us or something into your into your project well what about the rest of the stuff what about all the like right now everything has to match up right because art um art inconsistency is one of the the biggest things you see one of the biggest hallmarks of um i guess if you're trying to avoid making again that looks amateur be mindful of consistency between art and you know that's pixel art as well p- pixel size consistency people grabbing a character from this free site a background from that free site. And then you know enemies from that free site and kind of mixing them all together and you get this kind of mishmash. Um, but it, you know often when you begin you don't see that and this is again something that I went through when one of my earlier game releases on on flash. And it wasn't until I got feedback from someone that they told me that, hey, like your, your scales are all out. You know, you, um, and it, the art looks like it's been cobbled together. And I never forget that. It really stuck with me. Um, so a quick story. I made like a car game back in the Flash days. It was fairly successful. And, you know, it had like, before the before the analytics um, tools that I was using dropped out. It probably, I think it had six million players at one point. It was like a game called Clutch Burn or something. What website was that or something? It was just a flash site. Oh, sorry, it was a flash game and it was distributed around all, you know, um new grounds and, and all these different sites would have had it. Um yeah, I mean it does not mean I got paid that <laughs> that much because it, it didn't work like that back in the day. Yeah. But but you know, it it was Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And i put in all these like analytics to know exactly um i i, I over a uh, yeah i put too many metrics in like to, to find out exactly where they crash and everything <laughs> so i could plot it against the map i was like okay this is really irrelevant but anyway <laughs> but um when i released it i had I think it was on fingers on new ground someone said well like you know your art style is um kind of mishmashed and they were right because it was mishmashed because i was just beginning and Um, I was grabbing um, rendering out cars in um, Blender and then grabbing Poser Models, which is like a different um, program, and just mixing it together and using kind of free textures from some site. Um, But it stuck with me. I think it was one of those moments where, hey, art consistency, scales, I should remember this. And I never forgot it. It was that one comment that that person made and I thought, this guy's right, or this girl, or whoever, they, they were right. And so I, now when I make games, I always try to be, um, I try to pay attention to the, to the scaling and, and art consistency, but it's very hard, you know, cause we get so close to the projects that we don't really even see the flaws anymore. You know, it's, you, you need, you need someone, you need to ask someone like, Hey, here's a screenshot, point out all the problems <laughs> and preferably a designer. say, tell me to be ruthless. Don't sugarcoat it, don't... And that's why all, um, asking friends sometimes, it's not the best people to ask because friends will typically tell you what you want to hear it's because they want to value the friendship. <laughs> they don't want to disappoint no, you. They want to be
0: your friend still. They don't want you to cut them off. Right. Screw you, this game's great. Now that...
1: <laughs> like, oh, it looks okay. <laughs> so, but, you, but sometimes you need people to just be honest and kind of brutal or whatever, but constructive as well. You know, there's... there's Feedback comes in various forms and not all should be necessarily acknowledged because some people will intentionally ruin your game. <laughs> it's like, you know, just because someone said it doesn't mean it's good advice. You know, don't listen to everything. Every feedback is... Because people are wrong sometimes, you know? Definitely.
0: Wow. Do, you, uh, do you have like a method of going... Do you, do you use the asset store for assets or do you create your own You're in assets usually? usually.
1: Um, I've not used the asset store for assets yet. But um, I see the value, and in the future, if I was making, but, well, but that's mainly because of the type of game I'm making. It's not so um, most of the stuff on Asset Store these days. It's more like three D models. And you don't. I mean, there could be two D stuff, but but I think there is a skill. Yeah, no, go on. I think there is a skill in being able to um, adapt um, some paid art like that in your own way you know that um i don't know what the game's called now older guy but there's that youtuber who had a successful game launch with that that fox or something
0: yeah no, yeah, he's he's he's, yeah he's, i know what you talking about i don't remember I his name but i know talking about. Is the
1: game? yeah but he he um he made a whole video about how all the art in his game was asset um, store basically from the asset store and how on reddit people were calling it out saying, this is an asset. But again, these are developers and gamers probably won't recognize um, the art. But I guess the trick is, or the trick or how it should be approached is you need to adapt it to your own style. You gotta, don't just, if you're gonna use asset store, People shouldn't just take full. You know, you see these games released on Steam that they just—they didn't even take out the copyright from the asset developer or something. So, it's like, but that's a different thing. That's a straight up. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, it's I, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like that that's, actors. It's it's <laughs>
0: the lack of creativity. They just want to get something out there and try to hustle it out. It seems like some, and maybe maybe not. Maybe they really have a real passion with it. They're like, I found the best game mechanic and I just need some kind of skin to put into it. But I don't think a lot of times it's that. I think a lot of times it's. They they download it. And they just get a whole city for. They use the default scene and they put in a guy in there and that's the whole thing right there. They got it going.
1: Right, and it's, in some cases it's not even a game.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's Like walk around the city. No. The <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. It's like the the demo scene they came with the with the tutorial pack. Oh, sorry, with the um with asset pack. <laughs>
0: exactly, that's it. It's what... It, and that's fine for a prototype, but when it comes to releasing on Steam Store, I think there's got to be a little bit... I mean, I don't know if, if you want to waste $100 on that. I, I wouldn't want to wait. Like, whatever, however much it is mm-hmm. to put something on the Steam Store. But the hardest part when I use the Asset Store, well, that's why I avoid it, is literally exactly what you're talking about, finding assets that work work together. Um, One bit of advice that I got from Jason Wyman on like one of these other podcasts was if you find an asset that you like, then you contact the artist and you have and basically... commissioned work and therefore that way you keep the same style uh and i think that's if you have deep pockets or something i mean i I would i would say like it's definitely one way to go for sure Uh,
1: that's a good idea for sure but yeah absolutely i i agree i agree absolutely and that's kind of how i think i'll approach games in the future I, i i think in the future i'll just allocate probably money to um, to just pay a dedicated artist in the future because I, I realize realized the the time that i've lost myself trying to manage the art um hundreds and hundreds of hours so in terms of my my cost per hour or whatever it would have just worked out um cheaper if i paid someone but but here's the thing not everyone has is able to have that initial outlay especially if you're younger or people are you know getting into it i definitely couldn't afford to do that when i was starting with my flash games you know i had to Cobble things together, and um, you know, (laughs) clone stamp out watermarks or or whatever, just to just to get get through the door, you know. But uh, but now I'm 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 an adult. I can I've got a job. I can probably afford to to spend a bit. And I I I think there's um it's very actually useful. Well, Well, but just to um make a point about that, I think that some developers they they feel they have this feeling that they need to do everything themselves for, for it to stay authentically their project or something like that and I know because I had the, I used to have this feeling as well oh like no I'll do everything myself just to say I did everything myself but um, it's a bit redundant to be thinking like that and it's not until you make that first decision to say hey you know outsource to Fiverr or, or someone to get someone to replace your like player controller for instance one of the the, the, the core um um, art pieces in the game you know and if i can give any advice to people is to get someone professionally or capable if you aren't to do your play controller if you're doing sorry your player graphics or animations because it can it really changes the whole look of the game you know um,
0: yeah I, I didn't even think like i right now i'm in that well it's not because i don't think anyone could do it better than me and not because i'm from like some kind of a like a howdy toddy like i can do art i can't do art very well i'm not very good at it but the reason i've been using my own art is literally because I've run into, like, the asset problem. And I find it hard to, like, especially with the family, and I think a lot of people are coming out coming out here from the same way, hard to use anything other than, like, either really co- cheap assets or free assets in my games. So I end up having to, like, just scrounge together some art that I make. At least it's in the same style because I'm making it. But at the same time, it's just, like, it does get... It is redundant. It's a waste... It, not a waste of time, but it's definitely a time eater. It eats away at the time you could be making the actual game. I think that's a really good point.
1: Yeah. And it's but you know, it's it's it, and it's hard. It's hard to because art, good art is not cheap. good art to getting done professionally. And and, and and nor should it be because everyone everyone should be paid accurately for their for their time. And um, artists in the community, you know, we we share Uh, game devs, we we share this space with with artists who focus on art. There's a lot of artists out there who are involved in this scene, who don't program, who don't really make their own games, but they're here to support the developers to make games, and that's how they make their living. Um, So I think it's important to also kind of uh, support those people who are putting themselves out there and um, being realistic and charging good affordable uh, rates. You know, I I think it's worth considering because it it supports everyone and keeps it all kind of moving together, but um, it's so you know if you're working on a new game and you got an art bill, let's say you you, you calculated it up, you you ask someone to do, it and they came back with, well, that's going to be you know two thousand dollars or or something like that, um, which is which is pretty modest in terms of what art could cost, you know.
0: Definitely, um, some assets can but, be like five hundred dollars for like a good asset, just on sure. one single asset. So depending on what it is.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So it's um and that can be hard that can be hard for people to say well that that you know how am i gonna so in those cases you know you have to work with what you have and you definitely don't yeah i mean it's when when you're starting out you you typically don't want to be paying for art at all you know and and i made a i made a video some time ago about this topic because i understood the dilemma that a lot of newcomers were having where they'd get caught up trying to do their own art but it was completely bottlenecking the project because they're not artists they don't really want to be artists they're not really looking to learn that trait it's more just they're trying to um, make it work just so they can move on with the project but they they haven't considered getting someone else to do it or whatever Uh, but those people have typically get they get stuck at this bottleneck and they get really demoralized because doing something that you're not good at and you're not making progress on is a surefire way to to make you just kind of want to quit something. But but it, it's it's a problem because you're then quitting, sometimes quitting game development, where really you love the development, but you're getting stuck on the art, where really what you should be doing is quitting the art. But quite often they'll bundle the whole game-making process into that situation, where they just dismiss it all as like, oh, this is all too hard, I can't make games. No, you can make games, you just picked the wrong art style. And I made a video, I think it was called 5... Art styles for for shit artists was the was the title, and I I, I walked through all like a five different styles that that people can consider using you know primitives rotoscoping uh, primitive shapes, um, even you know ASCII art you know you, you don't have to you know games like V V V V V V V V whatever it was that platformer you know a smash hit you know probably millions of copies sold. Um, that guy probably never has to work again or that team or whoever it was but um the art was very very simple it was just a platformer and had this little character and i don't think the character even has a walk cycle it just kind of glides through the level but the design was very good you know it was a like a platformer very good uh, attention to detail in terms of the the design and the placement of objects and the flow and this is where they put all their resources to make um the experience compelling, and at that point, your art style is is rather irrelevant. You know, you can, you can make a hit game with using a a, a, a black fill background and a, a white square as your player. And if if the gameplay is compelling enough, then then you can you can f- find success with that. You know. Unlimited budget. Jeez, I I don't think I've ever thought of that scale. <laughs> no. Before, no, because it's it's. Um, I've always kept my my scope within kind of um, a particular sphere. I've always liked. <laughs> I've always liked these um space adventures. Um, there's, there's these retro space adventures. I guess they're 4x, but um, you you may or may not know this game called like Starflight. It was on the, it was an old school. I think it was a DOS game, but then it was released on uh, on the Sega Genesis. I had it on the Sega Genesis, and you would fly to different planets and you kind of mine them, and there was some underlying story, and you'd have to harvest different planets for resources. And this is the kind of game I, I've always kind of wanted to put a modern spin on. And others have, but um, there was a simplicity to this one that made it very palatable. Let's say where I've tried a lot of other kind of forex space style games, but there's just too much to it. Too many stats. Just too much. I I can't I can't get through the first, you know, intro uh, through the through the tutorial phase. It's just uh, so I'm I'm yeah I don't know. I don't know to answer your question No, that's (laughs) the answer that's the answer that's
0: a good answer too that's really cool because like the it doesn't necessarily have like you have an unlimited budget doesn't mean you have to spend it all dude you get the pocket get the pockets of money i mean that could be like a really high budget game as well like a like a it's really interesting concept that i haven't really considered uh it's is is it like would you would you kind of compare it to like eve or like a simpler version of eve online Uh,
1: yeah uh, much 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 simpler much simpler, I suppose. Yeah, Evie's crazy. I once tried to play that game. I was just like, God damn it! This game is complicated. I like the idea of it. I like the idea of that complexity, but that ha- the hands-on is is a different thing. And I think it's just the time.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of time invested on in it. And then I, I mean, I've never played it, but from what I understand, is literally all that time can just be blown up in an instant or robbed from you, like a pirate. Like it's so, it's too real at that point. It's like. <laughs> There's a, it's not a game anymore. This is life. This is your second life. This is it.
1: <laughs> right. Well, and that's a bit of a that's a bit of a um, thing as well. You know that people often end up focusing on um, on the games more than more than life itself. You know, I was um, I was caught up playing MMOs for for a good part of my earlier years and it nearly destroyed my life. You know, like I I was um, was out of control. Where all i could think about was this mmo and what i'd buy next and what i'd do and I'd, i had friends there and everything and i started becoming even antisocial in my real life just because i wanted to go home and, and play this mmo and then you know it's like wow man and the day i, I cut that tether is the day i started making progress with my, my game dev career that was the that was the one thing holding me back
0: no and i've had issues with that i think that's like kind of the in the mmo like nature and maybe modern like i think it started with like everyone knows world of warcraft is like the wow addiction is like the thing wow addiction is what really i feel like that's the first mmo addiction i've heard of and it's i mean it's not just wow anymore but that's really i feel like the one that's destroyed i'm not i'm not shaming wow i feel like wow is a great game it's it's good for them but like it really has some addictive properties to it that just makes you
1: absolutely yeah the game i was the game i was playing was a was a wow clone it was like a korean wow clone and it was- There was a plethora of them at the time and still are. Um, It was like it was called Perfect World International. So it's very ironic because the the perfect (laughs) you get a perfect world there, which is real life is deteriorating. (laughs) You
0: don't don't need your normal life. Now I played Aeon online, which is kind of like a wow Korean WoW clone as well. That was
1: yeah, I know Aeon. Yeah, yeah,
0: that one was fun too. I think MMOs are so fun. They're so dangerously fun. I feel like because. It's it's such an investment. You just start wasting your entire life on it. You could be doing something productive, and literally you're you're grinding, grinding, grinding with all that effort. You could be you literally could make your own MMO by that by the end of that. It's insane.
1: <laughs> oh, that's very true. That's very true. And I think yeah, that's a big part when you realize how much time you could have invested into learning something or, um, you know, making games and how many games you could have launched. You know, the the time sink and what that represents. You know, people should look at their um, whatever game they play the most on Steam. Look at those hours and consider what that might represent. How many games they could have um, um, created and shipped in that time. You know, but not not to not to hate on. You know, I'm, I'm obviously a massive. Uh, grew up as a gamer and have been um, uh, gaming for most of my life. And only in the, the more recent years, I've kind of replaced that um, replaced that interest with making games. You know, that's it's it's filled that same that whatever that whatever the itch that gaming was was having i think game dev kind of somehow managed to feel that, that's that right. i that agree with is.
0: you 100 percent. i think and it's not bad like we're not bashing games or anything like that it's more like yeah, there's a there's a there's a healthy medium in playing games for 10 hours a day when you could literally you could play the game the same game for three hours a day enjoy it just as much i mean i guess there's an itch you get like a heroin a- i feel like i was like a heroin addict at some points so when i but that might be teen being a teenager or something. i'm not sure but at the same time, I it's pro-
1: did. probably an age thing as well. I think there's it's, it's a lot to do with it. I think you have less responsibilities when you when you're younger. Um, you know, there's nothing nothing will, um, that will speed up your your path out of an MMO than you know having having kids and um,
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. Having I mean, family, you know, big so. responsibilities. People rely on you besides just yourself
1: yeah yeah you get a real 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 rpg going on <laughs> high stakes still want to get away sometime? no i'm just kidding all right uh so <laughs> what's your
0: best advice to like uh people just starting out what what do you think what would you consider your best advice never give up no something else besides that
1: there's a lot of different things that are i guess relevant but um I guess get accustomed to the process of learning and master the process of learning um, and realize that you can have confidence realizing that you can pretty much learn everything or anything that you, you, you want and don't look at things and say, oh, look, that's too hard. I can't do that or that system's too complicated, I can't try that, or or whatever. I understand that you can, but what stands between you and that outcome is simply um, a dedicated, concentrated effort to, to to learn it and realize that if somebody makes some cool, crazy pixel art or whatever, or some great music track, that you, you, you're you made of the same skin and bones as that person. And sure, maybe they have some creative inclination that, that you might feel like you don't, but more often than not, um, you'll find that any person who has any level of mastery over a particular craft, if you went back and saw their first things, it's it's a, <laughs> it's probably very consistent with where you are now. You know, so um, yeah, and I, I guess in that sense, don't compare yourself too much with with others and kind of focus on your own journey. Focus on your ne- next steps because there's. Perhaps the biggest biggest thing that will um, demoralize you and set you back is uh, making too close a comparison with where you are and where someone else is, and you kind of. It's like um, I recently took a took a trip up to the mountains, where I like to do, go once a year, just to kind of clear my head and put myself through some intentional hardship. Let's say just <laughs> I find it makes me a, a better game developer and whatever else, but. When I was looking up at this mountain, I nearly threw up every time. And I realized I've got to stop looking up to where I need to go because I was carrying a very heavy backpack and I was up there for almost a week. But I I came to realize um, that I, I need to just look at the next few meters and then go, okay, I'm here, okay, I'm here. Now I get to this next point. Okay, I'm here. Now I look a bit further. Okay, I'm here. And I got to the top, no problem. But every time I looked up where I needed to go, um, I just felt sick. But it was that r- reminder that um, looking at too much of a contrast between where you are and where something is, is not effective. It's not useful. It has to be um, just far enough where it's aspirational and kind of attainable. And then you kind of move on to the next and then the next and the next. But then if you try to skip ahead as, Oh, you know, you go, I can't do that. I give up. I quit. And I won't even try right. basically.
0: Yeah. Like comparing uh, yourself was- to someone is. you don't, first of all, like people, especially on, on YouTube, I feel like this is a big issue. It's like people starting out, they go and watch people on YouTube. And they go create a game and and you don't know how long this guy's been coding. He could be just because he's on YouTube now and he's only had YouTube videos for two years. He might have been coding for 10 years. So just because it it seems like he can do this so easily and you have no you you shouldn't be comparing yourself to the guy who's teaching you how to code. You should be kind of looking at yourself. How were you yesterday? How can I get better today? And that's kind of yeah, I agree 100 percent like literally just focus on the now and maybe like have a 50 meter goal. I guess that's what I would call it. I was from the army, but yeah. but like literally just like a really close goal, short-term goal, short-term goal, short-term goal. And it'll all eventually wait, wait a year or two. You'll have, now you are at a long-term goal. If you look back, you've made, you've achieved that long-term goal.
1: For sure. And I guess one of my other um, bits of advice would be like, write down your notes, you know, don't just rely on keeping it all in your head. You know, like I've got, you know, little shitty game ideas and like little whatever. But I went, Oh, better not show sure that one. But <laughs> but the the point is, um, quite often you you you'll go back through your notes or little books, and I've got, I've got them all around me. I've got these piles of notebook books that, from over the years that I've forgotten about, and every now and then I'll I'll find one periodically, and I'll look through it, and I'll go, oh wow, that idea I had two years ago suddenly makes sense now, or now I know what to do with it, or now I've got the skills to to actually act on it where back then it was um, it was, I had the idea, I had the concept, but I didn't have the technical skills that didn't align. So it just got shelved, you know, but so I think just keep keep a, keep a track, keep a record of, of, of all these things. It's very useful. Yeah.
0: Well, thanks very much for coming, dude. Um, it was an awesome conversation we had. I feel like I've learned a lot. Uh, it was a very interesting conversation. Um, Thank you for coming and uh check out blood and mead on steam uh give it a wish list just give them some support and check out uh, lost relic games on youtube and anything else you would like to say dude
1: no just um well done to you as well for for starting this this new journey with this youtube channel and um i'll give you some advice and just say uh, stick with it because i think you're 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 you're, um you come you're using a good approach there's an authenticity that I appreciate and I think others will as well so just keep keep plugging on and for my own channel for for example it took it took me like a good year before I started seeing any kind of exponential growth so there is this almost a bit of a test it's like how much do you want it you know how how many videos are you prepared to make and and there's times where it's like well this is just not going anywhere it's but then you never know where that next thing is around the corner that you know where something just goes and you know so keep at it, man, because I, I think you're onto a good thing.
0: Yeah, I think the the hardest part is, well, I mean, so th- for this channel specifically, like, I've had a couple YouTube channels in, in the past that went nowhere, but for this one specifically, I feel like the passion behind, like I have fun making the videos, and I have fun like talking to, to game devs and and understanding where they're coming from and learning from them. So, I think the difference between this and past YouTube channels and what I what advice I guess what I would offer is, is just literally have fun doing what you're doing and whether it's successful or not, I'm sure if you put enough work into YouTube and you keep refining and do the hard work, everything will blow up. And, and even for anyone watching as well, you just need the passion and the work. And if you want a YouTube channel, you can literally do the
1: same thing. Mm. Just work at it. And that work ethic is very important. (laughs) You gotta, you gotta work for it. It's not gonna, passion is one element, you know, you gotta have passion, but you gotta grind it. You gotta be prepared to put in, put in the work. Definitely. uh, um, It's not gonna gonna build build itself itself.